Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here with Dr. Jack Salerno to help you face these challenges head on. Dr. Salerno, hello. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Dr. Salerno came to Seattle Children's when I was a resident. We were just talking because I had my own uh, cath procedure on my own heart that he knew about probably because somebody broke some. No, I'm kidding. I probably <laughs> shared all about it. But he was, we were chatting about that before we collected. But Dr. Salerno is the director of electrophysiology and pacing services. He's a cardiologist. So that means that he studies and looks at how the heart moves electricity around and how that affects heart health in kids and rhythm ultimately of your, of your heart. So not just the sounds your heart makes, but really ultimately how the electricity moves through it and causes the heart muscles themselves to do their job and move the blood all over your body. It's super complicated stuff. And Dr. Salerno is one of these guys, he's like a little too cool for school, like just to be clear, like when you walk into the <laughs> hospital. Like as a, he, and because he's an athlete and he kind of carries himself like an athlete more than he even carries himself, I'd say, like a doctor or a dad or whatever identity you want to use. So when he showed up, he was like kind of funny and cool, right? I mean, you're funny and cool. You know that. Yeah, he's smiling and laughing. So anyway, he showed up when I was still training. He has done uh, his medical degree and residency in California and then did his general peds cardiology fellowship at Texas Children's Hospital. And then we were lucky enough to have him join us in Seattle. And when I asked him kind of what he's really proud about, I think it's the blend that he's taking his life experience of being a football player and being an athlete and knowing how important that's been to your life and to kind of your existence and joy and translating that as an electrophysiologist in kind of keeping young athletes in the game when they can be in the game and helping clarify to people what are real risks and what are not. So I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> so we're talking ultimately here about fainting. And you're here because when somebody faints, I think a lot of people first and foremost in their brain, first off, number one, major emergency in their mind, right? Yeah, no and doubt. Then, and then they go right to the heart. Right. So tell what is what is syn- so the medical term syncope, of course. Right. What is it and what typically is going on? So usually it's, uh, I mean, when you look at the definition, it's a loss of consciousness with which is transient with a pretty brief recovery. And so when it happens, the kid feels terrible. They feel mm-hmm. lightheaded, dizzy. They feel like they're going to die. And more importantly, their parents looking at them also think they're going to die because they're usually gray and ashen. Mm-hmm. And then they hit the floor and, and can injure themselves. So there's a whole uh, complex interactions between the child and the parent who visualizes it, or even if they got the information from a teacher mm-hmm. or a coach. Um, it all seems pretty scary to everybody. And, you know, if you hit the ground, that's never good. And if you think you're going to die, that's even worse. And so <laughs> you can see bad. how this, yeah, yeah it just Bad and then double bad. Right. And nobody can reassure them that these things happen. They all automatically think something bad happened and it's going to happen again. Yep. And we better find out what that is yep. and prevent it because you could die. Yep. Is, well, and I think... But so it makes sense that we react that way. I think so. It's kind of innate, right? right. That if all of a sudden you turn gray lose consciousness and freaking hit the floor, right? Like, it seems like a bad warning sign. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And if you hurt yourself, that's like the icing on the cake. Well, I mean, so a couple of things. Like, I think as a general pediatrician, so we see this, for me as a general pediatrician, I I see kids in clinic a lot, actually, who have had it. Tell us, what's a little bit of the numbers? Like, how often in a child, like, in most children's lifespan or child span, how many kids faint? 
about 25% of kids faint um, by the time they're teenagers. And if you look at actually by the time we're 60, which fortunately you and I don't have to take care of those, that about 30% of women and 50% of men will have fainted. So there is a lot of accumulation. And interestingly, if you actually go back to babies or young toddlers with breath-holding spells, yeah. that also fits into the same category. Yep. Um, and so those are the little kids, you know, one or two who do that. But more commonly, it's around 11 12, um, with 14 probably being the peak incidence. Uh, and it tends to be more girls than boys that experience this. Huh. So it's interesting. So the overall numbers, by the time you get to 60, half of men, a third of women have fainted. But the teens, it's more girls than boys. Right. Yeah. Because, well, can I just back up on that a tiny bit? So sure. there's a tiny psycho psychological part of fainting, too, like the vasovagal yeah. stuff, which we'll get into. But, you know, after vaccination, for example, teenagers faint all the time after vaccination, sure. not because of what's in the vaccine, but just the reality of, like, someone Absolutely. just put a needle in them, and they're like, and that's it. So, okay, number one, a lot of kids faint. Um, and then a lot of kids end up seeing a provider for good reason, right? Because to your point of the complex relationship of someone watching it happen, right. the kid experiencing it happen or remembering it or not, and then potentially even injury from it. So right. about a th- like 3% of ER visits, right, are because of fainting. Correct. So what what are the main causes that you think of when you think of fainting? Like let's just list them out as you right. think of them as a sports heart guy who understands the rhythm of the heart. Yeah, I think that what most people are worried about is a heart problem, either a muscular problem or a rhythm-related problem. But honestly, it typically turns out to just not having enough fluid intake. (laughs) Um, There's a couple simple questions that you can ask uh, any patient that you see, the first of which is, do you eat breakfast? Most of them say no. And the next of which is, do you use a restroom at school? And most of them don't even know where it would be in an emergency. Um, And so those are two simple uh, is questions. That I don't ever ask kids. That. Oh yeah, like don't, you say, where is the bathroom I want to use that. Well, they come and see me now. <laughs> You're like, wait, I already heard that one. But I mean, I think so. That's really so. Those things are two helpful uh, historical elements. Obviously, the prodrome and the circumstance are all important. But even when you look at athletes, let's say who are running, uh, sprinting, actively running, so not after running in between or getting a water break, they're actively running. It's still quite rare that a cardiac etiology is the cause. When they faint, uh, you're When saying. they faint, But correct. just to be clear, as I understand it, when we're screening for sudden cardiac death or we're screening for real concerns about syncope, it is more alarming to us as doctors if someone faints while exercising. I mean, it's more alarming in, the, in me, at least, thinking sure. as a generalist, I got to really interrogate, is this a heart problem or not, right. versus kid in the, in the middle of class or seeing something disgusting and hits the floor. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's right. Anybody who does pass out during athletics is much more concerning and yeah. they do deserve an evaluation in cardiology, which includes an echocardiogram to make sure there's no structural heart disease and an electrocardiogram and more importantly, an exercise test because there's a handful of things that don't show up at rest that will during exercise. But if all of those things turn out to be negative and there is no family history, then you're largely stuck with the same cause as the kid who got the immunization or the same cause as the kid who stood up too quick in class. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the expectation is that the evaluation is more intense. Uh, and then in the end, you can sort of say that you don't have any of these problems and it's likely not in a rhythm disturbance, but more the common faint is the cause. Yeah. So just let me rewind because when I asked that question, I was saying, you know, what are the causes? So you're, you're so a couple of things that number one cause you're saying, ask the kids where the bathroom are, right. is. Basically, they have like, no they're idea. so dehydrated every day because yeah. they don't want to have to leave and go to the bathroom right. and pee in front of anyone or certainly right. poop in front of it. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like kids yeah. never want to poop at school. I'll get right? into that in my clinic. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I know. You stay by the heart and not the <laughs> yeah. GI system. But I'm just saying like, so they're dehydrated, sure. right? So the mo- the majority of faint 
fainting, right, is not from the heart, Correct. just to be clear, right? right? The majority is you You have had an experience that provokes a response in you that causes mm-hmm. you to kind of shut down and or you're so dehydrated, you stand up so fast. And I explain this to kids like this. I'm like, gravity is so powerful. Sure. You stand up fast, the blood literally in the big veins in your body drains to your feet, right. pulls away from your brain. Your brain is like, I want to survive. I'm going to clamp down and turn it all off Perfect. so that I make it through this moment, right? Yeah. There's no saber-toothed tiger. It's just yeah. I didn't have enough water, so my blood volume is low. I'm right. dehydrated. There's not as much liquid in the tubes. The tubes then hit the floor because gravity is so strong, and all of a sudden there's nothing at the top which is right. the brain, right? So that's most likely cause of fainting, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, heart- the good news is once you hit the floor, then your brain and your heart are at the same level. So you start yeah. perfusing your brain again. And then it's like turns back on. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I always say it's it's more like a computer, though. And some people it turns back on. You know, so if you have a computer and you're working and somebody just unplugs it, yeah. sometimes it actually resets and it's quite happy when you start it. And sometimes it is not. Yeah. It sends you all these messages and the blue screen and all these other problems. Sad Mac. Right. Sad Mac and used so, to be so sad. But that's actually what happens in some kids. Some kids yeah. immediately recover and they're back to normal. And other kids actually take longer minutes, hours, even days. And it's not necessarily related to head injury or concussion. It's just you rebooted the system and sometimes huh. it doesn't go well. And that is – and so I agree with that. The experience of after fainting of right. who a kid is and, and actually who a parent is in that moment too are different. Um, and that doesn't typically lead you to why, right? The how you recover doesn't help you identify no. what caused it. Uh, to me, it's more the triggers and the circumstance. And so if you're sitting in class for half an hour and you haven't moved and blood is pooling because you have a right angle at your knee and a right angle at your hip, yep. that's a pretty common place to pass out. Or you transition to standing after having sat for 30 minutes. Yep. And as you say, the challenges of gravity have to be overcome. Right. Those, It's all about the trigger and, and what were the circumstances. And it's also about the prodrome. You know, how did I feel, which is what prodrome means. Are you dizzy? Are you lightheaded? Are you, do you hear ringing in your ears? Does your vision hone in or close. And the prodrome is important in getting to the diagnosis, but it's also important in looking at therapies because if you're somebody who has no prodrome, you're very likely to hurt yourself because you don't protect yourself uh-huh. in a way that's in, that's meaningful. You just fall and yep. hit whatever's on the way down. Yep. Uh, and so in the years that when I first started, I would worry about injury as a, a marker for a cardiac event. And in truth, kids who pass out in a hot shower hit lots of things on the way down. Yeah. And that and break their jaw, break their nose. I mean, doesn't help say that's a cardiac problem. Um, But the the historical teaching is if you didn't have a warning, that's a heart problem that immediately stopped cardiac output. Um, And I think that's why understanding the prodrome of what did you feel, how did you feel, what were you doing at the time, and then sort of what happened. And most of the kids can't tell you what happened. They just know something was going wrong, which is all that's important to me. Something mm-hmm. is going wrong. They knew that. They knew that. And that's that and warning sign, which you can take advantage of to help you make the diagnosis. But more importantly, take advantage of an opportunity to abort the passing out if uh-huh. they can recognize it because you can give them strategies. Uh-huh. Okay. Wait, before we get into that, I like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I like that. But before we get into that, okay, sure. I just want – so what percent of fainting is cardiac, cardiogenic? I mean, Even in athletes who are exercising and faint mid-exercise, yep. it's – pretty rare. It's less than 10%. Yeah. 
most fainting, the far, far, far majority of all fainting with or without activity is not coming from the heart in children. The majority of it is what's called vasovagal, meaning that you stimulate the vagus nerve, which is this nerve that goes into your body. It's the brakes. It's the brakes, right? It slows everything way down. If your heart rate gets driven way, way, way down, all of a sudden your heart's not pumping as fast, the blood's not getting to your brain, your brain's like, I'm shutting down. Right. Now, vasovagal can happen because you see something disgusting or mm-hmm. overwhelming, and it can happen for unknown causes. It can kind of come out of nowhere, right? I mean, you can yeah. vasovagal without a known or identified trigger. Then there's these kids, to your point, that are kind of what we call orthostatic and hypotensive or um, the kids that basically don't drink enough water or just like run around with a low blood pressure, you know, and then stand up really too fast and the the world tunnels and goes dark and then they hit the floor. And then there are these rare kids that maybe have neurologic problems, which we're not going to spend a lot of time on. And then even more rare are the kids that have these underlying rhythm problems. But just as one quick um, like PSA newsflash in the middle of the podcast, what Dr. Jack is telling us, too, is that if your child does faint during exercise, um, that's different than if your child faints in class. So if you come and see a general pediatrician like me, we'll start at the very beginning of the story. And I love the tips you've even taught me about the prodrome and what questions to ask and did they have kind of that the aura almost of, right. of the fainting. Um, and it can maybe guide us to understand. But all comers, we're going to go through an evaluation. But if you have, if you start with a fainting during exercise, your child deserves a more intensive workup of how their heart works. Even though most of the time it's still not going to be their heart, but they needed what he, you know, what what we talked about earlier that the words came pretty quick. But they need probably an EKG which is an electrocardiogram, which is really looking at just the rhythm of the heart, that printout on the paper from the little electrodes on their chest. They maybe need an ec- or they need an echocardiogram where somebody goes in by ultrasound and looks at the shape and the movement of the heart, moving the blood around and the size of the heart chambers and how it works. And then even it sounds like Dr. Dr. Schlinner is helping us understand too, you may need an exercise test as well because not all those measures even can pick up some of the things that would cause a rhythm abnormality that would cause a child to faint during exercise. So I think the number one takeaway is if it where does when does fainting happen is a really key just going into it cold knowing am I is my kid going to need a big workup or not most of the time they're not if it happens during exercise they probably will right okay. I think there's an important distinction too because during exercise really implies you are actively exercising if you stop for two or three minutes and you're getting a water break and then you're going to go back and exercise yeah. that's still not really exercising if you've been at rest for more than several minutes. Uh Usually when we look at exercise, it's either while you're actively exercising or within a minute to two minutes after cessation of exercise. And so a lot of people come and see me because they had syncope during exercise. And it turns out that they ran the 100 meter and then two hours later, they're going to go run the 4 by 100 relay. Uh And they passed out in half an hour before the (sighs) next event. And it's, yeah, it was an athletic event, but it wasn't actively during exercise. And While I think the heart was important. being stressed. And I think that's yeah. important to sort of distinguish. Mm-hmm. So you're a dad of three. I want to go, I'm going to push you on this a little bit. Wait, how old are your kids? Like between what ages? They're 14, 11, and 9. Yeah, okay. Like about my, where mine are in the kind of <laughs> age. Um, so can we go to this breakfast thing? Because it's yeah. been mentioned multiple times. And if sure. I were listening to this, like I am, I'm like, wait, I thought the data on breakfast is kind of equivocal, that we don't need, some of us don't really love breakfast. We can't yeah. really support it with a lot of data. Are you saying kids have low blood sugar or low blood volume because they're not having breakfast and then pass out more? I think what happens is you sort of set the clock later. So if you sit down and have breakfast, so yeah, there's protein and carbohydrates. They're all important. But mm-hmm. then you actually start the daily timer at whatever, 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. If you're not somebody who 
has breakfast and you mm-hmm. don't eat anything or drink anything till 11, mm-hmm. 30 or noon, mm-hmm. you are already accumulating a tremendous amount of debt uh, dehydration because you didn't drink the night before. Right. You, you were slept sleeping. all night. Right. You didn't drink in the morning. And so I don't know that there's data that says, yes, breakfast does or doesn't make a difference. But I think what it does is it sets people up for success during the day because they've already had yeah. their drink or they've already yeah. had, um, you know, something. And so by 11, they're snacking. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting to say, do I ask the question, do you have breakfast to every other kid in my clinic? And the answer to that is no. Just the same So I have kids. a biased group. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it's do pretty Do they not clear. eat breakfast a lot? Most like, of them don't eat breakfast. Do you? Uh, I do. And I drink I'm, a lot. I was just going to say, do you drink a lot of yeah, liquid in the morning? Yeah, I do. I have water bottles. But then are you just like peeing all day long? Pretty like much. going to the right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, wait. Which, so- but one makes you wonder why if our girls impacted more than boys, right? Yeah. Because I can't tell you that my daughter or my wife love public restrooms. Yeah. And so maybe boys are more likely just to drink because they don't care about peeing. Well, the, yeah, the trick to that is hovering. <laughs> this is my big thing. Like, I just hover in every bathroom I go anywhere, particularly like airplane bathroom. Air, airplane bathrooms are the grossest oh, yeah. things in the whole world. And you just, the trick is hovering. You build yeah. up your quad muscles. You Nice. Never touch a public facility. That's my goal. That's and my hovering thing. is also a, one of those physical maneuvers that uh, right, never called it hovering that can prevent you from passing out. <laughs> no, I wouldn't totally. recommend that for anybody, but you can do that. You can you're squeeze large. You you're can, well, you can squeeze large muscle groups. So if yeah. you have a prodrome and you're sitting in class yep. and you feel like you're going to pass out, you can actually squeeze large muscle groups. You can actually like squeeze your, your thighs, your yeah. quads. Um, or squeeze a desk with your hands, and that typically elevates your blood pressure just enough to either, one, abort the episode, or two, give you some time to figure out where you're going to land. Because I don't know any kid who wants to pass out in class or yeah. pass out in the lunch line. So, so I'm always giving them yeah. strategies, like how to make it last just a little bit longer so you could go somewhere and sort of laugh and tie your shoe, but get to the ground yep. so you don't just crumple and then lights and sirens show up because that's the worst thing for a middle schooler or a high schooler. Yeah. And that's what happens when you pass out in the lunch line. Okay, so wait, I want to do two things before we end the podcast. So number one, ways that we can... Um, ways that we can kind of take control of this. I just want to go through that. So hydration is number one. Right. Is salt supplementation something? I mean, it's kind of a funny thing. So yeah. do you think some kids pass out because their pressure's low because they don't have salt around and enough water? It's, tell me yeah. about that. So I think it, when you look at salt, it's more trying to address hypovolemia. Yeah. Um, so a lot of these kids do have hypovolemia. And so when you ask them to t- eat salt— what it does is it makes them thirstier. So yep. they drink more, and wherever salt goes, water follows. So they kind of fill right. up the tank more. But you're right. When you look at the blood pressure on most of these children and, and adolescents, they're pretty low, pretty low specifically yeah. their diastolic blood pressures. And I don't treat numbers because it doesn't matter to me. If your blood pressure is low and you stand up and you're not dizzy, awesome. Who cares? Yeah. But if you stand up and you're dizzy— then I do care. But again, I don't target a number. Your blood pressure has to be this. Yeah, you are who you are based on right. what your pressure is. Your, your brain shuts down at whatever yeah. it shuts down when, you're, when the gravity does its trick. And, right. Yeah. And, and I, so I don't you know, say to somebody, oh, your blood pressure is low. We need to manage that. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of them will be. But it, it boils down to trying to fill up the tank. Yeah. And so if you drink 60 to 80 ounces of fluid a day and you add salt to your diet, you're supposed to add actually 10 grams per day. If you talk to a lot of teenagers, they all add salt, right? It comes in the form yep. of pizza and potato chips. And those sorts yeah, of processed things. foods, yeah. But a lot of these kids of actually have identified that salt is beneficial. Yep. And in some people, salt causes hypertension. 
And and so there's this conflict of a healthy diet versus mm-hmm. just trying to get through high school. <laughs> and so I'm like, I understand that long term salt may not be good. And yep. there's only a handful of people that are salt, you know, that are salt sensitive. But yeah. Let's just get through high school and worry about, you know, hypertension, the yeah. opposite of what we're treating. Well, years so down you're the road. talking ultimately about these kids that just pass out because their 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 blood volume's low. Right. They're dehydrated or they're not eating enough salt. And you're saying eat the Cheetos yeah. or the Cheez Its. Well, favorite. I'm a cardiologist, so I try to use pickles and pretzels. Oh, I like pickles too. Okay. <laughs> okay. And pretzels. Well, I'm a salty. But I walk around. With, I'm one of those people fine. who walks around with a blood pressure of 90 over 50. Yeah. I really do. You're barely walking. I'm barely walking. But I mean, I have the blood pressure of a five-year-old, which yeah. is true. And then when I stand up, I get woozy all the time sure. and I don't eat breakfast. So, I mean, I'm doing it Uh-oh. all wrong. No. So, Uh-oh. I know. I'm just trying to get through life. I made it to yeah. high school. There you go. Like, I'm trying to get through life. Okay. Uh, you keep your kids hydrated. If They'll feel more sense of control. Parents will feel more sense of control. Mm-hmm. This is after you've seen somebody and figured out why you think the fainting happened, which is like to be this, you know, emotional response and or low blood volume where, you know, if you if your brain is only getting 30 to 50 percent of the blood pressure it needs, that's when it kind of shuts down. Right. I mean, right. that's when it's like if it's tanking, it's like the brain is like, hello, I'm right, closing shop so that, you know, yeah. so that the good t- night. So that, yeah, good night. <laughs> and then it kind of comes back. Can we go quickly since you are an electrophysiologist and all mm-hmm. of this? What are the causes when it is cardiogenic? Mm-hmm. What are the causes that parents could should know about a little bit at this point that could yeah. be found in an interrogation of a kid who faints during exercise or even maybe rarely in a kid who faints without the exercise trigger? That's, it's an interesting question because when we look at kids who have, let's say, long QT, which is a primary electrical phenomenon, they can pass out for the same reason that any of their friends can pass out. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little more difficult to tease out, did you pass out because you stood up and were lightheaded? Or did you pass out because you had a primary rhythm disturbance? And and the vast majority of these kids will not have a primary cardiology problem. Uh, But it does amount to, if you're looking, if you narrow it down to exercise, either the pump is not functioning well because the heart muscle is weak and cannot increase or augment with exercise, meaning you can't squeeze harder or faster, you can pass out for the same reasons. You reduce your brain's cardiac output. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or if there's an obstructive process to the heart, a valve is abnormal. And so when you squeeze the blood, it actually can't leave the heart because of an abnormal valve. And then you get to an electrical problem, uh, some of which are manifesting stimulation with, you know, with a sympathetic drive or the, the activation side, the fight or flight side of your nervous system. Adrenaline. So you're adrenaline. just saying adrenaline, yeah. Adrenaline. And, and those are, are also pretty, pretty rare. Um, some of them will be evident on an electrocardiogram, and that's the common first step, mm-hmm. um, which you talked about, the electrodes and the stickers and all that. Mm-hmm. That, that so, you do, a general pediatrician can do, you right? Can you don't need correct. to see a cardiologist no, like Dr. you don't Slerno. need to see them. And so, you know, you can make some assumptions based on the structure of the heart and or the electrical activation of the heart with an electrocardiogram. Um, but all of my patients who have primary electrical problems that I'm following for them for years, yep. if they pass out, honestly, I don't always think first and foremost that's the electrical problem, obviously. It's in the back of my head. Yeah. But it, it boils down to even those kids will pass out because regular, they had an immunization or being whatever. It's more yeah. complicated in yeah. that situation. Some of them are structural. Some run in families. I remember when I was doing kind of, you know, prevention of sudden cardiac death in athletes. I mean, that's why you go and get a sports physical from your pediatrician, get it signed off. It's to have you screened on what is the family history of your kid. Does your kid experience um, any symptoms that might go along with a cardiogenic reason for it? Do they and should they get an EKG, a little heart tracing of their electrical system, and or do they need, you know, an evaluation with someone like you? Really rare. The structural stuff, there's electrical stuff. Anything else? 
Probably, but those are the two <laughs> biggest categories. <laughs> I mean, good. structural and electrical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's probably things that you know cross. Like you can have a structural problem. Like yeah. hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, but you can have ventricular fibrillation as a rhythm disturbance. Right. So there's crossover, but but commonly we just think of them in two big categories. Yeah, and I think they feel one of the things I remember um, Nicholas Madison taught me was the one when he was still a training fellow with you, who was this is a great cardiologist who's now in Ohio at Cincinnati, who was one day way back when a medical student. That's how I yeah. met him when I was a resident, and then he's he's done a lot of advocacy on sudden cardiac death prevention and helping pediatricians even understand reading ECGs. And um, he was saying, you know, it feels like a needle in the haystack, right? That when you're, because they're so rare, you know, sudden cardiac death in athletes and in kids in general, so rare, but that it isn't a needle in the haystack in that there are clusters, right? That family history really matters. So with families like evaluating this or waiting for a visit with a cardiologist or something, know that knowing about who has died in your family suddenly, has someone drowned and it been unexplained? Was there a car accident where someone reared off the road and no one ever knew why? I mean, if there are unexplained or sudden deaths in your family, you might want to even talk more with your pediatrician or family doc in seeing getting an EKG or a cardiology evaluation. Right. Physical exam, history, and family history, in addition to these tests that we do in the office, they're all important in understanding yeah. how to protect someone. Okay, bottom line, I'm just going to do the quick summary. Fainting is really common in kids. Peak string adolescent because kids are teenagers, and when they're teenagers, they're loco coco, <laughs> and they pass out for all sorts of reasons. The far, far, far majority of fainting is not because of the heart. It's because of being a bit dehydrated, not eating enough, standing up too fast, the power of gravity to pull the blood down to your toes, and your brain being really smart to kind of turn off and protect itself. Some kids can learn how to protect themselves if they feel fainting coming on so they don't get embarrassed and have the lights and sirens come and pass out at the school dance or pass out in line. And that includes getting to the ground closely and kind of covering up so that if they do pass out, it's a really quick thing. Um, And just a a newsflash reminder that if you are a parent listening or a teen and you have had an episode where you think you passed out during exercise, you likely need to see a cardiologist and have a more complete evaluation for all of their fainting. You can see your general practitioner, pediatrician, or provider. And and there are these rare things in hearts. I'm just figuring, I'm thinking about you, Dr. Solera, that where your heart's too big, one of the muscles is too big, or the electrical system doesn't work. And the cardiologist will work to figure that out. Are we good? Yeah, that was good. Okay, good. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for joining. <laughs> sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I didn't have to do much. <laughs> you knew all this stuff. No, no. I, I learned a lot, and I, I'm so thankful that you're here. Um, the reality is parenting is a high-stakes job. The good news is, thanks to Dr. Salerno, you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from.